Hello, welcome to Minding Your Mind. Our podcast is all about your mind and how it works and mental illness and mental health. And with me is Professor Ian Hickey, psychiatrist and co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. And today, empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. All of it, Almost all of us have the ability to be empathetic, but when and why do we use that ability? I don't feel much empathy for the old guy in a hat driving his car at 20 kilometres in front of me, 20 kilometres an hour in front of me. I kind of hate him, but I do feel empathy when my daughter stubs her toe. I can almost feel her pain. Is empathy always a good quality that brings us closer together or can too much of it be bad for us? We just wander around feeling everyone's pain and well, that kind of debilitates us. What about those who seem to have no empathy? Ian, empathy, is it, is it a good thing? It's kind of sh- held up as this shining jewel, isn't it? But, you know, is yes. it as good as it's cracked up to be? Yes. It is. In the emotional world I'm in, it's the shining jewel in the crown, mm. you know, without which humans couldn't really exist in the social groups we do and we couldn't really engage in the interpersonal relationships in which we are so invested. And we couldn't function as a society without a fair number of people with a high degree of empathy. So, yes. Well, can I take issue with that yes, immediately? You can. A lot of relationships are transactional. I go to work and, you know, I'm really nice to people because I want the experience to be pleasant for me. They'll be nice back. I'm calculating. Uh, I'll get on with people. We'll work together. That's all good. But I'm not really doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. You're not. No, nah, that's a different thing. The motivation to do something mm. That that's different. So the transactional nature. It's interesting you said about so how they'll feel about you know feel nice about it. You know, I'll develop yeah, a better yeah. relationship with them, yeah. which requires you to understand to some degree. Now there's two issues here. I'm going to differentiate one from the other right off, which is sort of emotional understanding, which is kind of the empathy bit. Yeah. From reading minds, if you like, people say to me all the time, "Can you read minds?" Okay, not very well, but you know, <laughs> I'm guessing it. But the sort of cognitive understanding of what you might be thinking. Right, right, right. So in the transactional world, you know, what's in it for me? What's in it for you? Mm. Where can we do a deal? I'm you all know, about that, kind of, that. You know, yeah. you know, not. I'm doing whether, it now. No, nah, not whether you feel any good about it. Not whether I understand your position. But what yeah. do you want? What do I want? We'll transact the thing. What's it worth? You know. We'll do a deal. Yeah. That's not empathy. But you could, but it is important in terms of theory, we'll come to the theory of mind, how people develop a sense of themselves mm. and how do I work out what you're thinking? Well, I have a fair idea what you're thinking or what your motivations are in that situation or what you want to get out of the transaction. So, so empathy is just, it's not about what you're thinking, it's about what you're feeling. It's about- Ian looks sad. It's about knowing, really knowing that Ian is sad. Mm. Not as he looks sad, so you'll you imply it from facial expression yeah, yeah. or from voice or from gesture that you'll read correctly my emotional state. That you actually, and then here goes the other bit of it, that you'll experience it to some degree. You can actually put yourself in that state. You so feel you sad. I've, I'm sad that you're sad. You, well, you actually feel my sadness. Imagine that. To some degree, you can feel what my sadness is like for me. That's pretty hard. It, well, it is. Hmm. Hence, jewel in the crown. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it ain't sympathy. And it's not very pleasant. It can be very unpleasant. Well, it doesn't have to be unpleasant to actually to actually really genuinely feel what I'm feeling and understand how I feel. It doesn't mean you yourself have to suffer mm. in the same way I'm suffering, or you have to 
have the whole emotional kind of um, state or, or makeup that I have. Mm. But you have to genuinely have an understanding of what it is. I love the idea you said this day about the old bloke in the car. Mm. I'm identifying with the old bloke in the car more and more. I find myself driving more slowly, occasionally wearing a hat, you yeah, know, right. limited by other things. And, well, you're getting angry with that guy. Mm. I know that guy's got deteriorating eyesight. But more importantly, I'm beginning to feel how that guy feels yeah, right. <laughs> as I age. Yeah. And the rest of the world goes faster and I just, you know, I'm feeling more left out by it, more mm. hemmed in by it. I'm starting to experience through experience by aging. I'm not sure I would have been so good at that when I was a lot younger. You know, I'm, I'm developing some empathy for that bloke <laughs> through yeah. my own experience. Yeah. But not really just immediately getting it. So it's, it's the emotional tone. Can you correctly identify and understand, really, really feel that emotional tone, what that emotional tone is about? But at not, the risk, not simply know what I'm thinking. At the risk of people thinking I'm a psychopath. <laughs> Is there any difference between, okay, I see that my wife is unhappy and so I say, how are you and what's the matter and I listen and I pick up the cues and I prod her to tell me and I'm, you know, sympathetic. Well, I say things that are sympathetic, but I don't really feel her pain, but I'm quite good at doing the things I should do to listen and maybe offer some advice or, or not offer advice, just, you know, give her a hug and... So I can do that without feeling the sadness, even if I think, oh, for God's sake, who cares about, you know, whatever she's sad about. I can still it's pretty It's a really important well. distinction. Yeah. Right? So if you can't be empathic out of this episode, at least be sympathetic. <laughs> you know, at least learn something. Because we're coming with, can you teach empathy? Right. It's a very important issue for doctors. And the world I'm in, you know, when we're trying to select people to do psychiatry and whatever else, I'm looking for empathy. Okay. You know, if people are low on empathy, they're going to be very bad at our But business. again, you know, I was talking about my wife. Doctors, if they really feel, oh, my God, you're depressed. Oh, my God, you've got cancer. I mean, they're going to be a mess. They don't. Well, you said, is there a danger to being overly empathic? Mm. Well, if you can't differentiate your own emotional state from yeah. the emotional state of others, you're in trouble. Right? What we refer yeah. to as kind of emotional boundaries, if you like. And it's very important in terms of identity development to differentiate my own internal emotional world from yours. Mm. So in being able to understand yours, it doesn't doesn't literally mean I then, you know, become responsible or inherit yours. So I can it's still the ability to understand. So I understand my wife being sad about whatever she's sad about. But I don't necessarily feel the sadness she feels, but I understand it. Is that, is that the- Yes. So not to get lost in the semantics here too much, mm. but there are two kind of- It kind of matters in the psychological world because people differentiate the emotional empathy idea from the cognitive or rational kind of idea yep. of how people develop an understanding of what, what technically called theory of mind. Can I understand what you're thinking rationally, cognitively? Does it make sense? How's that up? How, how does James put things together to do the things he does and say the things he says? So you, and God you no. learn that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you do learn that as a kid. So, you know, classically humans, we can study this in, in, you know, their early childhood years, differentiate their own cognitive world, the mm. way they think, and their own emotional world, the way they feel, from that of others. So mm. you make this distinction. Very important to hold on to that distinction for the rest of your life. You know, you don't want to lose the boundary between yourself and others. You need to maintain that. Have thoughts in your own head. Have your own emotional state and not confuse it with the other. But actually... Being able to understand the other cognitively is one mm. aspect, mm. the rational bit, and, I, and and easily translates into sympathy. 
if you understand the story, you understand what people have been through, you understand your wife's had a hard day, it's been difficult at work, the challenges she faces, you can be sympathetic. Right. That's that's Sympathy comes from, is a cognitive yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a cognitive okay. thing. It doesn't require you to really understand it. You can see it, you can read it, mm. you know, you can do it. And then, not only that, you can be a better social person for doing it. Yeah. One, one worse, uh, sympathy, so sympathy's okay. One worse, I really hate sentimentality. You know, I'll cry along with you because you've been through that and whatever. But a sentimentality Spielberg. is not It's not, yes. Spielberg, <laughs> he exploits it, doesn't he? I was going to say, the classic Hollywood thing, reduce you to tears, and, and people think they're very emotional then, and they're very emotionally understanding because they're sentimental. Okay, no, you're not. You're just, you've been manipulated. You've been manipulated. You've been manipulated to make you cry. But you don't actually understand the experiences of others. In fact, it's kind of interesting. Quite a lot of people who are very sentimental actually totally tied up with their own emotions. They're not very good at understanding the emotion of others. Right. So a lot of the empathic people actually, who are really empathic, are very good at understanding the emotional world of others mm. but keeping it quite separate from their own emotional world, telling the difference. So you've got to be able to tell the difference between your own feelings and your own emotional world and the way you emotionally are in the world and people who are different but be able to genuinely get it, what it's like to be the old bloke driving the car. I mean, I'm sure on the home front, many of us are in trouble all the time. What it's like to be the female partner of somebody else who's trying to do something and maintain a career and do lots of other things and take care of other responsibilities. Not a male partner. Well, you were talking about your wife earlier yeah, on. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. yeah. But to be the other, to be in the emotional world of the other, mm. to genuinely get that emotionally, like where, how that emotional world is constructed for that person mm. and how it's influencing what they do. Yeah, really right. Because a lot of the times, yeah, no, I no, I don't, no, we have to separate. No, but that's out. a very. I think that's a key point. Right. How their emotional world is influencing what they do. So you know, my kid just snapped at me. That's bad. I didn't do anything. And instead of just looking at the behaviour, think, okay, what in their emotional world might have caused that? That's empathy. Got it. Right. That's the emotional world they're in, and the response then is quite different. It could, Classically, someone lashes out at us, so they do mm. something wrong, we want to punish them, we want to react, mm. we defend ourselves. You There's were wrong. From, that was right. Exactly. You know, someone you live with comes home and screams at you, you know, for some particular reason. <laughs> and without saying anything, you know it's got nothing to do with really what's going on. Mm. Their emotional distress, their emotional pain has driven a certain kind of behaviour. Now the people who are really good at it, they don't react to the particular thing that's provoked them. They, they go inquire. and say something. No, they go say something. They don't inquire. They don't. So you inquire. said no. They know. Don't need to ask the question. They know what but they it don't is. know. They know they're upset, but they don't know why they're upset. No, but uh, but the why? Ooh, you love that why question. <laughs> oh, you so love that rational why yes. question. What is it that made you in that state? Uh, who knows? Well, the more empathic you are, the more you get it. You get the context of whatever it is, whether it was what happened at work today or it's something else mm. that's going on or the particular challenge of this stage of life or whatever. You get the thing that's got them in the state, the emotional state. And you don't oh. have to you don't have to ask. So you read it, you get it. You, you just get where they're coming from. Mm. And that leads you to say things or, or to respond in ways which go to the heart of the problem, if you like. I'm going to use the heart rather than the brain. That go to the heart of the problem. What, what's, and people then – and then when, I don't know if you've ever happened to this – I find it very difficult when I run into people who are so much more empathic than me <laughs> and they correctly read me. Give me an example. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm upset, I'm, arrogant, I'm uh, irritated with something, I'm annoyed with something, you know, in a particular kind of way. So my behaviour looks like, you know, 
irritation. It looks like aggression. It looks like something else. And somebody turns around and says, you know, it's been a really hard time for you recently in a particular kind of way. You know, and they just say something right. which just right hits the right note, hits oh, the right sorry. tone. I'm I don't think barely I've ever said anything like that to you. I apologize. <laughs> 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 well, there's a, there's a setting. I mean, where it happens most, of course, is in intimate types of things. It's not necessarily something that people just drop in everyday conversation. Hmm. So it requires a degree of sort of openness. So as, you, as you said, most of our day-to-day relationships are more transactional. You know, we're doing sort of stuff. But we yeah. still got to be able to read people's sort of state yeah. in a particular kind of way or, or have some understanding in particular ways. I mean, I'm always interested in people. You see people behaving badly in the street or something. You know, mm. people are a bad person or whatever. And you see, I hang out with some people who are much more empathic than me and they immediately have a sort of what is probably a more accurate guess or statement about what's really distressing that person just by the way they're behaving. Yeah, they right. put themselves in that person's shoes mm. emotionally, going to some other level of understanding that person's distress or the consequent behaviour in particular ways. So there's, there's a kind of – now myself, I have to kind of more stop and think about it, <laughs> remind myself to do that. Yeah, right. As distinct from others who just really, really very clearly immediately put themselves more in that state. And it is more an emotional cue much more than a rational cue. Rather than trying to work out why the person's yeah. in that. So I might tend to run through a list. Oh, the person could be sick. The person could be intoxicated. The person could be psychotic. The person could be a criminal. You know, I'd be probably working through my rational list of mm. <laughs> possible explanations. Your why question. Whereas others they just, others just yeah. They well, they just immediately go to other explanations of the emotionality. Now it's not always good. I mean, the person might be angry and you know, yeah, right. anger and whatever, and they might detect much more sinister elements to it, uh, as distinct from detecting much more distress elements to it or, or disturbance or requiring care. Mm. So it tends to also, people who are very empathic, tend to be much better at providing these kind of caring responses. But, well, that's an interesting uh, relationship because the ability to understand how someone else is feeling doesn't necessarily mean you give a shit about it. You know, it just means Correct. you've detected it. You've detected it, so but you there could. does seem, mm. when people say, oh, they, they have a lot of empathy, they usually mean someone who actually does provide a lot of care. Yes. So there's probably an overlap there. Yes. I think I was telling the story. <laughs> I tell the story. If on this podcast I get repetitive, please write in. But I think I was telling the story of a dental procedure I'd had two years ago, which was extremely distressing and going very badly and whatever else. And- Obviously, I was not feeling very and, – and the dental nurse just leant across and put her hand quietly on my shoulder. Mm. That was just a straight-out caring discussion, detected – Oh, can I give you an example I read uh, in the last week? Nick Cave, yes. you know, whose son died recently, he yes. said he went into his local coffee shop and he said, I, I knew that everyone knew. you know, knew me because I'm Nick Cave, blah, blah, blah. And I knew the woman who made the coffees quite well and I went up and she just treated me normally and I, I thought that was strange, kind of, but I didn't know how she should have treated me. And then when she gave me the coffee, she just squeezed my hand. Exactly. Mm. Almost words, made me cry saying that. Words, not the place. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that actually that's an excellent example. Mm. So people are very high on empathy. Very interesting to say that. I think often use nonverbal cues. Yeah. They don't get into a discussion. Hand with on you. the shoulder. Hand on the shoulder. Quiet hug. Mm. Caring thing. And you know that they know 
the pain you're feeling or the stress you're feeling. There's no need to articulate it, but they are actually identifying where you are in. I mean, that's a marvellous example. Can, mm. I, can I borrow that one and use it mm. elsewhere? Well, I borrowed it from Nick Cave, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a different kind of way. Uh, I have a favourite coffee shop owner where I used to go, Fontaine no longer runs it, um, and he'd see me coming and he didn't ever say much and uh, move an eyebrow and we had a perfect understanding. Mm. <laughs> I was once accompanied by my partner. She wanted to talk to him and made him talk. I said, this is so unnecessary. Right. <laughs> he understands my needs in the morning. I understand his things, you know. Yeah. We get each other. You know, we get each other in a particular way that doesn't require words. It's got to do with... I'm grumpy in the morning, give me the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk later. Yeah, he probably has <laughs> several clients like that, customers. Okay, so what? But you said an interesting thing. It can be used for good or evil too. I mean, f- empathy yeah. can be exploited. Mm. And I think we often see it in, in the body politics. example? Oh, if you understand people's anxiety about certain situations, you understand oh, their concerns. You exploit it. If you you're can exploit it. So interestingly, we're talking about sentimentality, so the syrupy, you know, Hollywood kind of thing is pretty tacky. But, you know, a lot of other things – tap into our emotional kind of state and therefore can leaves us open to exploits. So you have to be careful here. I mean, caring people can be easily exploited. People who do do caring roles yes. can be easily exploited because they're just drawn to it. I often do wonder why the most caring people in our society, nurses, teachers, childcare, aged care, get paid the least mm. and why might someone say the least caring people but, in the world. But would you mean someone who is genuinely unwell to a degree but when their carer is there, be it a family member or a professional or whatever – they make themselves even a little bit more helpless to exploit, maybe subconsciously, maybe not consciously, but, you know, I can't I can't go to the fridge. Can you do it for me? And they – Yeah, it's, so people yeah. can be manipulated, yes, because it's clear that they do understand. Mm. They can't say like the rest of us, oh, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> I don't know why she's doing that. It doesn't involve me. It's easier to distance yourself from others. If you don't have empathy. If you're low empathy. Right. You know, in a particular way. You don't get it. You're not prepared to take the risk of understanding. Because often when you see it from the other person's point of view, of course, it won't match your own point of view, you know, if you're genuinely empathic. Not, not to abandon the caring thing too quickly. That caring aspect is also within the human society is why it's so important. It does lead to caring and distress. I mean, it's why in certain professions, I mean, let's take nursing and aged care and child care. You really need empathic people. You really need people who get it. Mm. Really, no people can respond to a distressed child, an older person who's disabled and got difficulties with their sensory kind of modalities and their memory. You know, some people who just get it to take care of people. I know some people, some of my favourite people in the world, have worked in places like Centrelink and stuff, right, mm. who just really understand the really difficult situations that people are in and yeah. don't harass them like a government bureaucrat or a government yeah. bureaucracy. Try and assist them. Or treat them. them like a number. Or treat them like yeah. a number who's waiting for, a, you know, get a welfare payment. They really respond to the really difficult situation. And they respond to differently. They don't respond to everyone the same. It's not a learnt thing. Mm. You know that kind of customer satisfaction, treat all the customers, just keep smiling, have a nice day. Mm. It's not that. Very insincere. Not that. Yeah. So empathy helps you connect socially and it helps you get to know people better, helps you communicate better. But if you do have a lot of empathy, how do you prevent other people's pain becoming your pain and carrying that burden and getting depressed by it? So you've got to have a strong sense of identity. So the boundary issue becomes important. So it is a difficulty for a lot of people in caring professions who are exposed to a lot of distress, right? Mm. We get you know, burned out, work. probably. Burnout, yeah. 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 So you've got to learn how to kind of compartmentalise your empathy. Is that possible? You've got to maintain the separation 
between your own emotional state yeah. and your capacity to understand the emotional state. You're not actually living anyone else's life. Mm. Maybe so you're danger- up a little while, gee, it'd be horrible to be like that, that poor thing, but then you've got to kind of step back a bit from that. So you raised the really interesting thing. So I'm saying, look, in the caring professions, nursing, medicine, all these kind of things, aged care, we need empathic people. We yeah. don't need low empathy people. We need to understand people's distress. Mm. However, we need people to turn up to work each day. You know, mm. we need people to actually do all the things that need to be done in that particular. Now, you know, empathy gone mad, empathy gone wild, <laughs> gone off reservation. Yeah. You'd never get, you wouldn't be able to take care of people. You would be burnt out very quickly. You'd be yeah. living their emotional life, their distress all the time. So there's a mm. difference between being able to actually understand it, but the response to it may be actually quite different. Mm. We mentioned a few, like the, I love the Nick Cave example you gave, just mm. just the quiet reflection. You know, yeah. That person did not need to sit down and shed tears with Nick Cave, mm. right? Probably feel, make him feel worse mm. <laughs> in that situation. You know, the, the dental nurse I was talking about didn't need to do anything else. They just needed to indicate a particular thing. But they can carry on with the rest of their job. So they can maintain their own separateness mm. while, while making it clear that they do understand. What about when you've got to make tough decisions if we don't sack 10% of our people, the company will go out of business? Uh, almost an event. I mean, people have talked about, um, you know, if you're a CEO, maybe it's good to be a psychopath and not have much empathy. Is it? Yeah, well, I think it's one of the really tough decisions. I mean, it's really interesting. I, in my professional life and, and wider world, get to discuss particularly with a lot of men who are in management positions. Like Actually, they're managing you're, a company. You're in a management, management position. managing organisation. They have to hire people. They have to fire people. They have to let people go in a particular thing. So they've got a responsibility in one area mm. for rational decision-making and, and a responsibility for the whole organisation. And versus, they and, they, and they're not, generally speaking, the people I know are generally nice people. Yeah. <laughs> they're not psychopaths, I don't think. <laughs> But on the other hand, they can understand the stress. Now, actually, people who are really good at that, really good at that, can can do that reasonably well. They can end up having a discussion with the person about the organisational bit, but also understanding the predicament or the feelings that the person might actually have in that situation. Mm. So they can facilitate terminations. You know, I don't know if you've seen the um, is it the George Clooney movie about the guy who sacks yeah. everybody. <laughs> if you're if you're really warm and empathic, you can do it really well. <laughs> Apparently. I wish you can fake it. But the better you are at it, the better. If you're very unempathic, mm. it just seems like harsh, cruel, and you tend to do things and just justify it. Oh, well, bottom line requires 10 people to be sacked. Pick those 10, send them, you know, do it in a way that's very, you know, distressing. It's distress causing to others, a very low empathy kind of way. So you mentioned earlier about teaching empathy, can you? Yeah, well, huge amount of effort's gone into because we want to. We want to recruit people into things like medicine, the area I'm in, psychiatry or in psychology or in other areas, who have these two characteristics, one empathic to understand human suffering and the predicament that people are in and be warm and caring. I think most people think nice to have healthcare professionals that are like that. Yeah. At the same time, we want them to be technical and to be able to distance themselves and do whatever needs to be done right, yeah. in those situations. We want them to be intelligent and rational and evidence-based, but we want them to also be empathic. And a lot of... Um, the tests that we use to get into uh, higher things like medicine, whatever else, require people to be very rational, cognitive, mm. if you like, high IQ, not necessarily high EQ, emotional cognitive. You know? That's true. So that's led to the, okay, if we get all those people and get them and they're low empathy, can we teach it? You know, can we at least, because we can teach the high IQ technical bit. Bottom line, not easily. 
Right. You can teach what we earlier on. You can teach people to be sympathetic. You can teach people to respond better to well, cues. For example, you can teach people when you're delivering b- bad news, you've got cancer. You can teach people you shouldn't just say you've got cancer. You should go through these five steps. You can so that's tell just them. a learning thing. A learning thing. You can tell them how many people feel. Mm. Some people will be like this. Some people will be angry. Some people will be in denial. Some people will be overwhelmed. Some people will, you can teach them. Here's the six or seven emotional states that are common amongst people with cancer. And here's six or seven good responses <laughs> to that. Mm. So that's teaching the behavioral response and to be sympathetic that different people in those situations will have different responses. There isn't just one response to the diagnosis of cancer. And that most people do not like to be simply told by a doctor in a white coat in a rather cold voice and then told, told well, your five minutes is up and now yeah. go sort out your life and I've got 10 more people to see today. <laughs> you know, most people don't like that. Okay. No. What's not so easy is to get the person to actually Feel. detect the emotional state that that individual is in at the time that you have to do something like that and then to be with them, be with them in that moment, Mm. how they are. Mm. Because unless they get it, unless they've got the emotional circuitry to do it. Now, this goes to the circuitry, the brain circuitry for it. You know, just like there's a brain circuitry for many things, uh, there's an emotional circuitry that sits underneath this, which is this sort of what we discuss a lot. What's What's the response that it elicits in you? And then cognitively, how do you understand that response? Mm. How's the situation making you feel? <laughs> and what is it What is it detecting about what the other person's going through? Yeah. And then being able to actually either say something or do something that matches how that person feels, that responds best. Mm. So in a lot of in a lot of situations, I've been lots of rules get made. In, you know, you know, never hold somebody's hand, never give them a handkerchief, never never cry. Doctors never cry, never do anything. You know. You think, hang on a sec. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. That sort of professionalism, white coatism, whatever else, is that really good? Really? Mm. So historically, and I guess, <clears throat> let's just say in Anglo-Saxon cultures, yeah. you know, those best doctors, you know, standoffish, just whatever, stiff upper lip, whatever, go, well, hang on, really? You know, do people? is that really the best kind of doctor? Or is the best kind of doctor the one who is emotional but still behaves rationally? still can actually do what needs to be done, still can, for example, can communicate the fact that you have got cancer. Mm. Somebody's got to tell you. <laughs> Somebody's got to do the particular thing. Somebody's got to engage with you. Somebody's and and got this to, applies to, you know, sacking someone or delivering any yeah, sort of bad news, doesn't it? Yeah. You, tell, you know, uh, I'm sure you've sat with the odd criminal, James. I understand mm, you've mm. written about criminals recently, and I'm mm. read that book. Go read that book by yeah, James Lock on the criminals. You. you know, trying to understand yeah, what sorry, is going on. You're going to be going to jail. You know, I mean, you'd have <laughs> right. to say that sometimes. Yeah. So here's a good example. Exactly. You're sitting there going, look, the reality of this situation, and wh- what's the person feeling about it? What What is their response to that situation? Mm. How can you best assist them in that? It's not a, just a technical thing. Yeah. It's understanding where they are at in that particular. Uh, situation and trying to provide the best and, and often it's just stopping and waiting, giving a little bit of information, you've got cancer or you're going to be going to jail and just rather than rushing on to the next bit, just stopping and waiting and seeing how they react, seeing what they say and responding to that rather than having a script, right? Got it. And there, yeah. you were, there you were saying you were low empathy a while ago. <laughs> got it. So it isn't necessarily pursuing the why or the why or the whatever else. It's actually a sub- Reacting. So it's actually just – so the classic, which I like in the kind of professions I'm in, and if you ever read the book The House of God, this is marvellously described in that book. It's the being with. 
It's yeah. being with the person in their distress. Well, it's the same thing. You can be with them in their joy. You can be with them in their sorrow. You can be with them in their grief. You can be with them without being them. Yeah, yeah. Right? You can just be with them in that moment. And then you're likely to respond much more appropriately in a way that deepens the connection. Now, the empathy thing deepens the connections between people. So okay. you say if you pick – I don't know. You, um, it's a very interesting thing to say, James. I, I think in uh, <laughs> bad moments in my own life mm. – some people who I wouldn't have said I was very close with surprised me with the extent to which they understood what was going on in my life. They said something yeah. or they did something. It's the classic of what you said, the Nick Cave example or something. They just did something which really indicated they understood. They weren't being me, mm. but they understood the predicament that I was in. Yeah, I agree. At that point. And that And some people didn't. Oh, lots of people who <laughs> say they know me very well. <laughs> people did. Oh. But some people maybe be I'm surprised. Hard. What do you think, James? Maybe I'm very hard to understand. Lots of people. In fact, what annoys <laughs> the hell right. out of me, because I do hang out with psychiatrists, right? Oh, right. And psychologists and mm. people, people who always are giving explanations for behavior. I see, yes. The reason Ian, and you're you just doing want to this, hug. the reason you're doing that. <laughs> well, they're wrong. They're just wrong. Okay. Because they've made up some rational or cognitive or they have misread my emotional state. But they've got excited about solving the case. They've solved the case. The explanation for your current is X. Mm. It all makes sense, Ian. You're so wide of the mark. Yeah. But there's somebody else who who I wouldn't have expected or just I would have thought didn't know me. This is the interesting one. Didn't know me that well. Mm. Got it right. You know? I thought, yeah. And then I go, oh, yeah. You know what? That's so much closer to the mark. That's so much more. Now, that's an interesting thing because it stop, forces me then to stop and reflect on how I am actually feeling. Actually, I'll give you an example of that. About a year and a half ago, a good friend of mine was dying and I was running this campaign for him, community campaign, well, helping him run it with others. And anyway, I, had, I was in Canberra and I had dinner where he was and I had dinner with some friends who kind of tangentially knew him but didn't very well. And I was sort of telling him how we're going and he was you know, nearly dying and we were still wondering if our campaign was going to be successful. And right at the end of the night, one of my friends said, you take care, mate, you're carrying a bit. And um, that's all he said. And it was... It was just a, a huge thing because he he recognised that. Hit the nail right in the head. Yeah, and he didn't have to say anything else. No. Nope. He understands that I am – and carrying I don't it. think I even realised I was carrying a bit, but I was. <laughs> exactly. And I, Well, that's so important because I think often we don't. We're doing stuff. We're doing like, – it's a good example. You're doing a campaign. You're busy with something or whatever else. And then, but there's, but it's hugely significant. The emotional significance of what's sitting – you're, you're not just someone who's hired to do a campaign. Yeah, you know, yeah, it matters yeah. to you. The relationship matters. The thing matters. The responsibility is such. And somebody hits the emotional note. They yeah. hit the right note and go, that's, yeah. And it does then cause one to reflect, God, that is how I am, <laughs> which actually helps us often to understand our own behavior yeah. better, where we may have been, you know, <laughs> shifting around that, moving around, not wanting to get too, trying to complete the task before the guy dies, trying to take the things without ever stopping and going, you know, this, this makes me feel a certain way. There's a certain sort of cost to this, you know. Um, not a cost, but, there are, but there's an emotionality attached to this. Yeah. Which is much, much more than might be apparent. Yeah, so to someone to recognise Yeah, yeah. Because when you tell people about stuff, you just tell them in a, this, blah, 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 you, you know, tell them in a fairly 
neutral way, don't you? Yeah, mm. yeah. And then people often misattribute. Why does this matter? Why does this matter so much to you, James? Why are you pursuing this particular thing? You know, this can wait. This has been done a thousand times before. <gasps> My interactions with parliamentarians and politicians. Why does this matter, to you Ian? What are you so upset about? <laughs> yeah, right. you know. So just we're going to reject you again. You're just going to be angry again. <laughs> Why does yeah, it matter? What's the point? <laughs> Why are you here? Why are you here? Same old story, you know. Mm. You know, and then trying to explain even once for oneself why certain things matter, matter much, much more tied up in the emo- our own emotionality, why we're so more emotionally tied to some bits than others, some relationships mm. more than others, why some tasks matter much more than others. So having someone, this is what I was saying earlier, having someone who actually names that thing. And I yeah. love the, the two examples you've used are marvellous because one's almost entirely nonverbal and the other's only had a few words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad thing for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So much is achieved by saying nothing or saying little but getting it right. Yeah, that's right. And I think empathic mm, people, pressure. really empathic people do that quite often. Or almost they're not in pursuit of the rational cognitive explanation mm. in a particular thing, which, which in most of our transactional world is very important. They're actually just trying to go to the emotional heart. And therefore, it deepens the relationship between various groups, between various individuals. Mm. I must say, as a consequence in my own life, some people who I really didn't like a lot, but have said some empathic things, I think, yeah, oh, my right. God. Wow. I've got much greater respect for that person than I previously had because they're quite right about me. <laughs> yeah, know? right. So there's a couple other things we've got to get to before we finished. I presume what determines how much empathy we have is a mixture of genes and environment like everything else. What sort of environment will lead to people with high empathy? Yeah, so temperament matters. So the thing we discuss a lot of temperament and sensitivity to the emotional world definitely matters. And and when that's impaired for one reason or another, um, that's bad now. It can be impaired through brain development, but it can be impaired through hostile and uh, punitive environments. Right. So the other side of the coin is caring, caring early environments, nurturing, caring. Well, and interesting creates and the interesting thing about that is if you think about small children, it's not about the words. It's about the hugs. It's about the holds. It's about you see parents who understand their kids' emotional state. Mm. I love them. They're the ones who don't talk much. They're not, they're not giving lectures to their kids, yeah, the three-year-olds right. at the checkout. You know, the ones who can just pick up and hug and mm. relieve distress mm. and and get it. So, nurturing, warm, caring environments where actually the emotional world has been correctly read mm. by usually caring adults, parents, others, yeah. and then kids learning that in response, that that's what's actually going on in the emotional transaction, which is often really, really almost pre-verbal. Yep. Are women more empathetic than men? Evidence? But this is said a lot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is said a lot about emotionality and whatever. I don't actually think it's necessarily true. Right. The evidence doesn't Not so it. clear cut. Okay. I, I think that the truth is, that women engage in our society anyway engage in the conversation more, mm. but in the correct emotional reading of situations, not necessarily so. People without or with low levels of empathy are psychopaths, perhaps. Can you live a good, happy life if you don't have much empathy? You can be very successful. Yeah. <laughs> in the transaction, well, here's the go. Oh, sorry. In the transactional world, you obviously can be very successful. Yeah. Let's make a deal. What's that? Tr- the Trumpism. We're just doing the deal. So obviously you can, President of the United States, mm. you know, make a lot of money, get away with things, exploit people. So you can obviously be successful in that sense. Can you be successful in relationships? No. No. Very hard. Because it's all transactional. Very hard, yeah, and exploitative and you don't get it. 
Most relationships rely on a degree of this empathy to work. You really need the other person you live with or you cohabit with or family members at some point to understand the emotional thing. And you need to have some of that emotionality way of being in the world in common. Yeah. You know this sort of opposites attract sort of stuff and you see those Hollywood movies where they're complete opposites? Nonsense. Right. Nonsense. If you, if, well, you don't get the emotional world of the other at all, very unlikely that you can maintain close relationships. But then, you know, if someone is listening and thinks, look, I feel that I do have a low level of empathy, you know, and that's not necessarily my fault. That's my genes and my environment. Right. And I want to have good relationships, but am I doomed? Well, not doomed. Let's go back to the learning bit. So common fascination in child development these days is the so-called autism spectrum. Yes. Right? Low understanding of social relationships, tending to get it wrong, not tending to understand what's going on. Now, importantly in those situations, then coming back to the learning thing earlier on, it's important to learn. So you may not be able to actually learn the same degree of emotional depth because you're just not wired that way. Yep. You're not actually getting the signals that way. You're not reading the things in the same ways. But you can learn a lot. So less instinctive and more like learning French. Learning a language. It's like mm. learning it's like learning Chinese or learning to play the violin or whatever. You can learn what are the common things. So the, the uh, it really a lot of emphasis. And if you do that, you can then fit in more with the rest of the world mm. in particular ways. So it's not a hopeless situation. And you can, very importantly, just the point I was just making, you can then learn to be better in relationships because what happens to people in that situation is they don't form relationships easily mm. because they're misreading or not reading the emotional worlds of others. But the more you can actually learn the signals that go with the emotional world, you're more likely to be correct. So even if you don't intrinsically or intuitively or instinctively get it, you can still get it right. A quick example. We do it with doctors all the time. Yeah, right. Well, quick example, my resting face looks a bit grumpy sometimes, even though I'm not grumpy. And so people at some point in my life have said, what's the matter? And I've said, nothing. And I said, oh, you look really like you're in a foul mood, like you give me a dirty look. And I was, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. So now that is kind of embedded in me now. And so whenever I'm in a social situation, I just consciously, well, unconsciously now, every 10 seconds I turn the corners of my mouth up. That's a very good example. Well, (laughs) that's a very good example. If you want, actually, I hadn't really thought about that. That's an even better example. Yeah. If you want to be better read, Send better signals, or if you're being misread. Yeah. I mean, people often think that I'm angry or annoyed or something. Like, no, that's just the way I look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank God for the podcast. But you also smile a lot. Yes. So that, count, that pushes back against that. Yes. So um, – Just turn the corners of your mouth up. Send totally stuff. different Yeah. Signals. I mean, I'll just fake it. But if you want to send different signals and you want to be better read, this is the other side of the coin. You want to be better read, send better signals. Yeah. And some, a lot of that is non-verbal. It is in facial expression, tone of voice, taking time. So I think two sides of the coin. We could all be better at it <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. by actually focusing on this is a really important human thing. And I think you said an interesting thing at the start. I think our world is far too preoccupied with the why, the cognitive, the rational, assigning motives that miss. And then a lot of those motives are nasty. You know, what do you want out of this, you're selfish or whatever. They're very accusative type things. Mm. As distinct from a lot of the time, that's not really true. It's a misreading of the emotional state. But to get that right, you need to spend time with people you need to understand. But on the other side of the coin, we need to send better cues sometimes. Mm. So when you said about the men-women thing, I don't think what men do enough is actually send the cue about the emotional state they're in. So the reluctance, right. the reluctance to send signals that you are actually distressed, mm, that too, you're not actually stoic. coping. Yeah, no, let I it out. To, let it out. 
you know, as people know me close, I often pretend, but I'm not, that I'm really Italian, but I'm not. I just love the idea of being more Latin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, being more intrinsic, because I'm not. Being more intrinsically expressive in ways that other cultures or other groups oh, just seem to be more good at. Outwardly emotional. Yeah. Hmm. To send the signal more of what my emotional state is. Hmm. And it, it's, well, so it's justified. It is, it is what it is, <laughs> you know. Not whether it's justified or not. It just is what it is. But you can only do that if you understand. I mean, this is another episode. We've got to finish this one. But you can only do that if you understand your own emotional state, which is hard enough sometimes. So both. You know, so are you epi- in a bad mood? Like sometimes my wife will say to me, you're in a bad mood? And I'll say no. No way. But she's right and of I'm Of course she's wrong. right. Yeah. She's named it. <laughs> Don't you hate that? I really hate that at home. You're in a bad mood. No, I'm not. <laughs> You've been in a bad mood for a week. No, I haven't. <laughs> well. I once said, I once said, I'm not in a fucking bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> just to demonstrate the fact. <laughs> yes. All right. I think that's all for empathy. Well, just to say that I think you've really – the two sides to it and yeah. the, the expression of it accurately while maintaining your own identity. Yeah. Critical to our relationships. If you've got any questions or comments, want to suggest further topics for us, please send us an email at miningyourmind2. That's miningyourmind, numeral two, at gmail.com. Mining Your Mind supported by Future Generation Global and the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health. Further help is available from Headspace, Beyond Blue, Head to Health and Lifeline. Just Google them or you can call Lifeline on 13114.